Please open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We've come to that favorite message of all for children. When I tell the parents that they're supposed to teach their children to obey. <laughs> but kids, I have good news for you. Next week, I'm going to preach a message, preach a message entitled, How to Change Your Parent's Mind. So there will be equal time. So kids, come, bring your parent, bring your friends. <laughs> Maybe we'll start a revolution. When I was in the Midwest last month, when I was in, uh, I was in Michigan where I went to conference, our, these uh, fine family that's been visiting with us, uh, he's working on that pipeline that had difficulty this last week, and uh, they've come to be with him for a few weeks. As I came, I went up to Michigan, to Lansing, and then I had to go back down, and I looked on my map, and I said, well, you know, this, there's a different route here. I think I'll take this different route, because it, it looks like it kind of goes along the lake a little bit more. It might be a little bit scenic. And uh, I was right. It was scenic. I got to see close up and personal the rear ends of some cars I had never seen before. <laughs> Because there was a humongous construction delay where they're changing the road or whatever, so I got to go real slow and, and see all of the scenery all around for a long time. I checked the map. The map didn't say it was under construction. map seemed to think it was a good route, and so I followed the map. For parents today, there are lots of maps, and they look good. There's no doubt about it. There are a lot of paths that seem like they will get you where you want to go. But I just want to stress again today as I begin that there is only one map that is infallible, only one map that will really get you where you want to be, and that is God's Word. And so parents, we want to take a, a snapshot out of God's Word and, and just consider only actually one part of the instruction that's that's given here. Follow as I read from Ephesians 6, please. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. I want to focus on that one phrase in particular, bringing your children up in the training, or in the King James it says the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I want to ask the question, how do we bring our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? And I believe the first answer to that question is, we do this by adopting God's goal for parenting. That seems really simplistic, but yet, I think it's a starting point that doesn't often happen even in Christian homes to say, what does God want me to accomplish with my children? Rather than saying, what do I want to accomplish? Uh, probably most of us, if we're honest, when we say, why did we have children? Just because it sounded like a good idea. You know, we weren't particularly deeply spiritual and we jumped into this lake, and, and yet, even at that point, there's plenty of time to stop and say, God, what do you want for my 
children? And the answer, the first part of the answer is very simple. God's goal for parenting is the same as his desire for all people. It's really quite simple, but it's so simple that it's profound. Listen to how he puts it in Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. If we go right back up there to verse 5, look what he says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Why would God's goal for parenting be any different than his goal for all of mankind? God wants all people to love him. That's very, it's very simple, but it's so profound. God wants all people to love him. God wants your children to love him. God also wants all people to honor him. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. When we read that verse in the New Testament, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, we need to read this one first and say, you know what, God is really serious about this. Now in some ways, I realize that saying God wants people to love him, God wants him to honor, God wants people to honor him, and this third one, God wants people to believe in him, those are in some ways synonymous. You cannot honor God if you do not believe in him. 1 John 3.23 says, this is his commandment, that you believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're not honoring God, no matter how much you pray or talk about God or whatever. You know, and, and Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you're not keeping the commandment to believe in Christ and then keeping the commandments to walk a righteous life, you don't love God. You might have some warm fuzzies when you think about the big guy. But it's not love. Not according to God's definition. And then this, you know, they all three go hand in hand. These are God's goals. This is his command. I put these little, I think these are on your notes there if you're following your notes in the bulletin. What do you suppose that stands for? How would Jesus parent? Real popular phrase a few years ago, what would Jesus do? We had bracelets and all kinds of things. What would Jesus do? That's a great question to ask in your life. I want to ask the question today, how would Jesus parent? I really want to challenge all of you parents with kids still at home for that matter, Parents with kids not at home because you still have an influence on your kids. And I really want to challenge you to, say, to look at your kids and say, what would Jesus do? I mean, wouldn't you agree that Jesus knows better for your child than you do? Or is that the battle? That's the battle we have in our own lives, for sure. We look at a situation and we say, Mm, I don't want this, or I do want that, and we wrestle with God. Parents, you're wrestling for two, or three, or four, or five. You're wrestling for yourself, but also for all of the children God has given you. And if you're a man, you're wrestling for your wife and your children, because you should be leading in this direction. You should be accepting God's goals for mankind. You should be accepting them for yourself and seeking to, to carry them out in your family. 
God's goal for parenting is the same as his desire for all people. God's goal recognizes the basic problem of all people. What do you think I'm about to say is the basic problem that all people have? What? Sin. That's right. Sin. From Romans 5, we read a series of phrases, not all of the verses. By the one man's offense, by Adam's offense, many died. The judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, therefore as through one man's offense judgment came to all men resulting in condemnation. By one man's disobedience many were made sinners. Folks, God teaches us that when Adam and Eve sinned, to put it in a very simple way, I believe they took the test And they demonstrated that humanity, apart from Jesus Christ uh, dying and and paying for their sin and giving them a new life, apart from that, there is no way humanity will ever obey God. And so Adam and Eve sinned, and God put that sin upon all of us. And so I'm here to say one of the most unpopular things I could possibly say today. Your children are born in sin. You mean even cute girls like that? Those are our girls when they were little, back when they were twins. <laughs> if you dress them the same, they're twins, right? Yeah. Well, they, they are twins, actually. They, in high school, somebody, somebody who knew Stephanie or knew Molly didn't even know that this was her sister in high school, and they said, you mean you have a sister? Yeah, we're twins. No way. I'm here to tell you they were born in sin. The sin nature resides within all human beings and it pulls us to do the wrong thing. Do children need to be taught how to covet? Mine! Give me that! Do you teach your children to do that? No, you work to teach them not to do that. Do they need to be taught to lie? It just comes natural, don't it? What about being angry? Having wrath? I was in Costco the other day having a piece of pizza. And, and here's a family. They're, you know, I'm right at that first table and these people are streaming by. And there's a cart stopped there with three or four kids. And there was a boy... You know, maybe he's five, six years old, and the sister is seven or eight. And they're, they're doing this. <laughs> Their feet, they're kicking each other. And I don't know how it happened, but it was one of those kung fu moments, and that sister did her foot just right, and that boy did a whole flip just like on TV. <laughs> Boom! And it kind of startled him. And when he got up, he was angry, buddy! And he went after her! Do you have to teach your kids to do that? No, you're working like a dog to get them to stop doing that. Why is that? Because they're born in sin. We don't have to teach them to hate. We don't have to teach them to be contentious, you know, to not get along. We don't have to teach them to be jealous. We don't have to teach them to have selfish ambitions. Those things are just natural. Those are the things we are working so hard against. And what I want you to realize today, parents, is children, if left to their own ways, will not grow up 
to be good, positive, productive members of a family or a society. If left to their own, they will get worse and worse and worse. And they will be the folks we are caring for at the county jail. God's goal for parenting recognizes the basic problem of all people, and God's goal for parenting must regulate our goals for our children. We all have certain desires and urges as parents. What do you want your children to become? That's the question. You know, when, you, when, you, when you're sitting there in the rocking chair and they're in bed, you're thinking, oh boy, I hope Johnny becomes a great athlete. And then he can buy me a big house. And I can be on, yeah. You maybe aren't looking for that materialistic part, but you might be looking for that great athlete. Or these days, you might also be looking for Sally to become a great athlete. Or maybe you want Sally to be a great socialite. I remember a pastor friend who always said, my kids are leaders. So all I could do to keep him looking at him, because I knew his kids intimately, and saying, your kids are leaders, all right, but they're leaders in wickedness. I don't know if his kids were natural-born leaders or what, but they were leaders. There's no doubt about that. And I think this man wanted his kids to be known as leaders in the school. There's nothing wrong with your child being a leader. But there is something wrong with exchanging God's goal of righteousness for your goal of your child becoming an influencer of people. Some parents are consumed with seeing their children become successful in the world. I believe the pressure that's on high school students today is directly tied to our society, which is saying, you have to get out of school. You have to go to college. You have to go to a good college. You have to get a certain degree or you have to get a master's degree so you can get a good job and make good money. I hope I don't create too much turmoil in your family when I say, is that the most important thing in the world? I talked to a school counselor at a Christian school recently who's, who counted themselves as a success because all the kids are going to college. Now, I went to college, my wife went to college, all three of my kids went to college, I'm not against college. I'm for education, you don't get me wrong. But I'm here to tell you, if you're marking success by your kid going to college, you may come up disappointed on the real things in life because there is more to life than going to college and getting a job that makes certain amount of dollars. Some parents are just concerned that their children have a fun and easy life. You know, some parents are snickering now, but you're not those parents. There are some different parents <laughs> who just don't want Johnny to have to suffer the way I suffered or just, you know, whatever it is, and they're just so concerned to make their life easy. Well, I, I want my kids to have an easy time too. But not more than I want them to be righteous. Without doubt, one of the most dangerous goals, I think, is, is, that seems to be popular. We, we've swung in our, in our perspective on parenting in the society. And, you know, I suppose when I was born, it was more what we'd call normal. People had kids because that was kind of the normal thing you did when you got married. 
And then we came into the 60s, the me generation, when people said, we're not going to have kids because it interferes with our lives. And then when abortion became popular, they said, hey, even if we get pregnant, we can take care of it. It's, we can't take this interruption to our life. And, and you know, women getting careers, and, and while there's nothing wrong with that, if that's your goal in life, it's saying, my life will be meaningful because I will have this big career. And do you know what the recent statistics are showing? Women who go to Ivy League schools staying home after college because they want to be with a family and they want to raise a family. And you know who's mad about it? The feminist. Hey, that's a great trend. But you know the trend swings so far that some parents now have adopted kind of a, a teddy bear philosophy. And that's when the parent says, this is my personal teddy bear. I'm going to have a child. Ooh, It's going to feel good. It's going to make me feel good. And I'm going to do everything so that we will be close and together. Oh, you're just going to bless me. Oh, we're going to be best friends and so on and so forth. Now, I'm on friendly terms with my kids. I like that. There were times when that was not the case. I'm glad that's the case now. But I, I just want to challenge you parents. I want to challenge you grandparents. What are your goals for your kids or your grandkids? Are they God's goals? Knowing your motivation is a very subtle thing. It's, it's challenging to look in your heart and know yourself honestly. And I'm not saying that I know my heart perfectly because God tells us in Jeremiah that our hearts are wicked and deceitful. And who can really know it? And so that's why we have to keep coming back to God's word and saying, are my goals in line with God's goals? Last week I challenged the wives to accept God's role of supporting their husbands because it is an application of the basic rule of Christianity. What is the basic rule of Christianity? It's right here. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Parents, this week I'm asking you to embrace this. And to say, you know what? My children are not mine. We have a little little ritual here that we do when parents ask for it where parents will bring a newborn child down and, and we, we call that dedication. And what we actually say, we're dedicating the parents to raise the children in God's way. You know, if we really followed the clear biblical pattern from Hannah in the Old Testament, she said, God, if you will just give me a male child, I will give him back to you. And she literally did that. When he was probably five years old, she took him to the temple and said, okay, serve God. How hard was that? But you know, that's what we all have to do figuratively. We say, here. And the way we do it is by adopting God's goals. Say, my, my son may never be a great athlete. My son loves to play football. You know what the coach told me on the second to last night of his high school career? Your son has absolutely no talent for football. <laughs> but he's got a great heart. And I said, yeah! And he said, and I hope my daughters never date anybody, but if they do, I hope it's a boy like your son. And I said, yeah! I have succeeded! That's what counts! We have to give up our own goals. That's where the title of this sermon comes from. Look at the top of the page if you're taking notes. What's the title? The Sacrifice of Love. 
Do you love your kids enough to let go of your own desires and embrace God's desires? Because if you do, I guarantee you, you're going to have joy in the long run. I guarantee it. God's goal for parenting must be adopted. Secondly, if we want to bring up our our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, we've got to accept, we've got to embrace God's method of parenting. And I believe that in particular is given to us here in, in Ephesians 6. Bring up your children in the training and admonition of the Lord. Those two words are a little bit similar. They could be used similarly, but when they're put side by side, they clearly have a different shade of meaning. The first one, uh, the word training, I'm going to consider second of all, because the word training is, is sometimes translated chasten in the King James or discipline. And, and when we think of discipline, unfortunately, we always think of, of something uh, negative or, or hurtful physically or whatever. But the word discipline is all about, really, training is the best word. Um, training involves both uh, encouragement as well as enforcement. It involves... Um, um, teaching and, and all kinds of things, and it sometimes involves uh, you know, hurtful discipline. But the goal is to train the child to be what the child should be. When you go to football practice or volleyball practice, you undergo some pain because the coach is trying to get you physically fit so you'll be strong enough to play the game. Does the coach enjoy putting you through pain? Probably. That's coach's revenge. They, they were a player, now they're a coach. Run them lines, run them lines, run them lines, you know. But ultimately, all of the pain, all of the workout, all of the instruction is toward a goal. And so you train the athlete to go in the proper way. That's the concept of, of raising a child. It's training the child so that they will be what God wants them to be. The other word, uh, admonition, uh, has to do with teaching or it literally means this, to put in mind. In other words, if you're instructing somebody, you're putting thoughts, you're putting concepts in their mind. And so I've used that first because I think that needs to come first, essentially, in our, in our long term of our parenting process. Children come out of the womb with the potential to learn, but with no knowledge in place. That's so important to remember. They are not little adults. The world really thinks they are, and they are not. They have the potential to learn, but they do not have knowledge. Every child needs to learn all kinds of physical skills, including how to feed, potty, and dress himself. And we know that. And nobody, nobody says, oh, that child will learn that stuff on their own. We take great joy in the first day that somebody is a big boy or a big girl, and that's a wonderful day for all of us. And then they learn to tie their own shoes later on. And you're going, yeah. And pretty soon they get all the buttons right. And you're going, yeah. And no parent would just throw a pile of clothes at their, co their child and say, figure it out yourself. They wouldn't do that. Okay? The same is true of spiritual or life training. No child comes out of the womb knowing how to live, except 
in bad ways. Remember what we just talked about a minute ago? Them cute twins and the coveting and all of that stuff? That's what's natural. What we have to do is train them spiritual, if you will. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us where the content comes from. The Word of God is profitable for doctrine or for teaching, for content, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped. You could translate that mature. Do you want your children to be mature? Boy, I do, and I'm glad they're getting there finally. (laughs) The man of God may be mature for every good work. Instead of what I needed to, everything I needed to know about life I learned in kindergarten, as the famous poem goes, our children should someday say, everything I need to know about life I learned from God's word through my parents and my church. And do you notice the order I put that in, parents? If the parents aren't teaching them, the church isn't going to get her done. It's just not going to happen. What are some of the key truths in God's Word that your kids need to learn? I would say, and I just, frankly, I just pick some out that I think are critical, and there might be others, so don't think this is an exhaustive list. Your kids need to learn that authority is to be respected. That there are authorities, and they should be respected. And that starts with mom and dad. And that's how it can extend out to uh, teachers or police officers and ultimately to God. I knew that there were lines I could not cross. And if I did, there was a penalty to be paid. And so when I open up God's word and God says there are lines not to be crossed or there is a penalty to be paid, I go, yes, sir. Now, I'm not saying that all comes from my parents. But I'm saying the beginning of that comes from my parents. Children need to learn that authority is to be respected. They need to learn that there is right and wrong and there are consequences. One of the chief errors of our society today is to say right and wrong is what you make it. It's what you make it till you come to the border. And then it's what Chuck makes it. It's what you make it until you go to Jim Hively's classroom, and then it's what Jim Hively makes it. And we do our children no good when we essentially say, oh, it doesn't matter, this, that, or the other, because someday they will encounter the rules of society. They have got to learn there is right and wrong and consequences. Again, when I come to God and he says, you need to believe in Christ or else you will go to hell when you die, I go, man, I don't want that consequence. And that helps me to believe. Number three, they need to learn that God's word is our standard of living. I'd challenge you to write that phrase down if you haven't yet. God's word is our standard of living. God's word is my standard for living. It's one of the great challenges we have to get through. Are we going to say, that's how I live? And are we going to be humble enough to admit when we haven't lived that way. Dad, Mom, is this your standard of living? How can your kids possibly learn it if it's not yours? 
we had a, a lovely family who started attending our church. They, they came to our church once on, a, on an outreach day when we were first there. And they never came back for several years. And uh, then they came, and they just started coming every week. And I went to visit them, as I had the first time. I thought maybe that's why they didn't come the first time. But I went to visit them, and I just kind of said, well, what's, you know, what's stimulating your thinking now that you're coming to church? And they said, our kids need some morality. Now, that's a true statement. I really wanted to say, you know, they're not the only ones. <laughs> but thank the Lord in God's time, those you know, that, those parents were Christians, but they hadn't been living for the Lord. They got right with the Lord, and they became members of our church, and just key individuals in our church, and did their best to teach their kids. You know, unfortunately, they'd spent so many years without the standard of God's Word, their kids are still not living for the Lord today in their 20s. Oh, it's a challenge, folks. We've got to grab a hold of God's Word. Mom and Dad, we have to have it for our standard. And then, Mom and Dad, we have to communicate the standard. It's not good enough for you to believe God's Word. You've got to say it. You've got to say, this is right and this is wrong, because God says. And if God doesn't take a stand on it, you better be real careful how you enunciate it to your child. We have some friends whose kids were the same age as our kids. They came to our church all the time. They were active. They had three girls. As far as I know, those three girls have all married unsaved guys. And I think, how did that happen? And the best I can figure out from what I know of these parents is they are real hesitant to tell, to say, this is right and this is wrong. And no, Sally, you can't date an unsaved boy. Mom and dad, we have got to have a standard and communicate the standard. The first words out of your mouth when your child has a special friend ought to be, does Johnny know the Lord? And they ought to know it's coming. They ought to know that that's the question. And there ought to be similar questions with everything else. They ought to know you so well that they know the questions you're going to ask because ultimately that's going to guide their behavior during this formative time. They're going, I can't do that. I don't know how many times I thought, man, I better not do that. My parents find out they'll kill me. They wouldn't have killed me. They would just come close, you know. I was not doing those things because I wanted to live for the Lord. And parents, that's good enough while your kids are coming up. Because then there will be time as they come up also for them to learn about God and to come to embrace God that needs to be constantly nurtured along with the standards from God's Word. Is God's standard your standard and do you make it known? Parenthood is no place for secret agent Christians. The other thing that goes along with this teaching is training. Training. And I've, I've just tried to break that down into, into several activities. And the first one is example. I've already been talking about that. Do you live the standard that you teach? I, I really don't like this verse at all. Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. That's what Paul said to the Corinthians. 
And that's what every Christian needs to take a hold of. Not just pastors, not just apostles or missionaries or what have you. Every Christian should say, you know, I need to live so much like the Lord that I could say that. Or even if I didn't say it, that people would, if they're following my life, it would be okay. Especially parents. Man, that's a challenge. Number two, there needs to be encouragement. Do you appreciate the steps your kids make toward the standard, the standard of God's word? There are several Greek words translated encourage in the New Testament. The words occur several times. One of those words is also the name for the Holy Spirit. And it literally means this, someone called alongside to help. Parents, you're called alongside of your children to help them. In this, the image of a, of, a, of a good coach comes to mind. A good coach comes along and he says, hey, you're doing good. Now maybe just adjust this a little bit, you know. And if it's football, they give him a pat on the rear. Good job, you know. And if it's volleyball, they give him a high five and say, good job. And, and, and there's positive encouragement when something good is done. Parents need to cheer success more than they acknowledge failure parents need to gently repeatedly teach not shout in frustration parents need to share examples of failure and success not implying that their child is the only one who struggles parents need to create charts and notes and reminders and all those kinds of things you know when my kids were in grade school i found myself coming home and walking in the door, and right off the bat, finding everything that was wrong. Why aren't the dishes in the dishwasher? Why haven't you done the laundry? Why haven't you done your homework? Why haven't you done this? Why haven't you done that? And all of a sudden I thought, that's really not going to work in the long run. Now, do those things need to be saved? Do those, do those habits need to be ingrained? Yes, they do. But can't I come in and say, Oh, look, you're clothed and in your right mind. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you're not out being a hellion. Praise the Lord. You know, parents, it's easy for us to forget even the good things like that. I'm not at all suggesting that we stop correcting our children. But I am suggesting that we, we commit ourselves to encouragement, not just correction all the time. But then there is the need for enforcement. Do you enforce the standard? It's not enough to have the standard without communicating it, and it's not enough to communicate it without enforcing it. Our model here is God the Father in Hebrews 12. Whom the Lord loves, he disciplines or trains. It's the same word here. Why does God do it in Hebrews 12? He says he does it for our what? For our good. You've got to believe in God's truth and God's plan for life so much that you understand it is the best way for your children to live. And so you work toward that and you enforce toward that. I understand you cannot ultimately control the behavior of every child throughout all their life. I understand that. But I understand when they're little, you can do a whale of a lot more than the average parent seems to around us today. I was listening to the radio this week, and the talk show guy was talking about disciplining 
other parents' kids. Like when you're out in public, he, he gave an example of some boys that were just cussing with obscene language, and he said, hey, you know, will you cut it out? I'm here with my girls and whatnot. And, and then he, a guy called in, and he says, you know, I was on a boat at Seafair when all those boats are out there on Lake Washington, and these two little boys that are eight years old with no life vests swim over to our boat, and they're hosing us down with these big water guns. And we got a bunch of middle-aged people, and I said, hey, will you stop it, please? So pretty soon they swam back over to their own boat, so he saw where their boat was, and, and then they came back, and we're doing it again. So he goes, hey, hey, mister, would you tell your kids to stop soaking us down, please? Guy doesn't do anything. And so this guy, he says, I had a fire hose on my boat. And I picked it up, and I said, would you tell your kids to stop bothering us, please? He said, I knew if I squirted the kids, I'd drown them. I don't know how big the fire hose was, but apparently it was good enough because when the guy did nothing, he opened fire on the guy. He said, buddy, take care of your kids. And finally, the guy's wife smacked him and knocked him overboard and said, do something about those kids. Hey, parents, start looking at your kids and saying, is this the behavior I want to see when Johnny is 16. Because if it's not, now is the time to start training Johnny and Sally. We have to enforce the standard. God does it with us. God just doesn't look down from heaven and say, you know, it would be really nice if you would stop lying, please. Oh my, oh my, what am I going to do about Dave Lunsford? He's lying. I don't know what to do. God looks down and says, buddy, you stop it or else. Now God is gracious up front. He teaches me in his word. That's gracious. He gives me the content. He brings people around to warn me. He does all kinds of things. But eventually, he will get after me. Parents, I think you should teach your kids. I think you should say, this is the way. Walk ye in it. But at some point... At some point, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child and the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Now, I'm not going to talk in particular about disciplining exactly. If you, want, if you need some help knowing some methodology, talk to me, talk to Pastor Larry, our wives, or some of I'm not sure who else to talk to, but a few others, and say, hey, let's talk about this. And here's the thing that I would help you to understand with small children. Why is physical punishment vitally necessary? Why does God commend that to us in our children? And here's the key. They have limited rational abilities, but they understand pain and pleasure. They have limited rational abilities. You cannot reason with a two-year-old. They are not little adults. But you can teach the two-year-old pain and pleasure. I may have shared this before, it's such a great little story, but Chet and Ruthanna Smith, who are on vacation today, had a little Nathan, and they're teaching him. They have started teaching him to obey by making certain boundaries. They had a table there, and he's standing on the table, and they say, don't touch the magazine or whatever it is. And he looks at him, and he goes, just like that. I mean, he, he can't even talk yet. Just like that. And dad stands up because dad's going to enforce righteousness. And little Nathan runs. But dad catches him. 
He understands yes and no, and he understands pain and pleasure. That's why God says you give him a swat on his behind and help him to understand that his rebellious behavior will not be tolerated. Isn't that the same thing with God? Do you want to raise a child who looks in God's face and says, I don't care what you think? There's one more thing that has to happen here, and that is tenacity. Teaching, training, and tenacity. And I think tenacity is the greatest challenge. Would you look with me at Ephesians 6, 13? In this passage that we, we often think of as a passage on spiritual warfare, talks about picking up the armor of God, wearing the armor of God. But look what it says in verse 13. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, what? To stand. A soldier who joins the army today goes to basic training, then he goes to advanced training, and then if he's going to Iraq, he goes to special training for that theater of operations. But when he gets over there and the gun is in his hand and they say, take the safety off, and he's there in the battlefield, he has to stand and deliver. It's not enough that he's been trained. When the day comes, he has his armor, he has his gun, now stand and deliver. Parents, it's not enough to sit here today and say, oh yes, yes, I want to embrace God's goals. Oh yes, yes, I'm going to do the right thing. You have to stand. And in my experience, it's not any easier than playing football. Because the opposing team is going to run right at you. It's only that they're about three feet tall. And who in the world gives them that thought and that courage that they can beat out the adult? It's the sin that dwells within them. They will not give up. And you have to stand. And in my experience, you have to do it for about 21 years. (laughs) Maybe 22 in some of my experience. Maybe longer, yeah. Can I get a witness for that? Yes. Parenting is not for sissies. Parents, no matter why you got into parenting, you're here now. And you need to say, I'm going to stand, and this little person is not going to outdo me. If you have picked up God's standard, God is on your side. Remember David? He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he comes out and curses the armies of God? And David said, I'll take care of him. The God who delivered me from the lion and the bear, he'll deliver me. And so David runs at him with all the confidence in the world because God is on his side. Parents, God is on your side if you are trying to do God's work. If you are taking God's word and trying to train your children, God is on your side. So you need to stand, and you need to keep standing. And one of the reasons you need to come to church is so the other parents can come around and pat you on the back and say, hang in there. And we can encourage each other to keep doing the right thing. This is the screensaver on my laptop. It's from daughter Stephanie's wedding there. She's the one in the wedding dress. (laughs) I can't tell you how wonderful it is to be parenting in this phase of life. I'm glad to be in this phase of life. (laughs) 
Because my favorite verse on child training is Proverbs 29.17. Write that reference down if you're taking notes. Correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. God says children are a blessing, but he also says, parents, you have got some work to do. But I'm promising you, God says, if you will correct them in a godly way, they will bring delight to your soul. It might take 21 years. Maybe it'll only take you 15. I don't know. But I can guarantee you, if you don't pick up God's way, your child will not give rest to your soul. The saddest thing that I see is when a parent takes what I would call the easy road, the short path just to get the child quiet, just to whatever, without teaching the things the child needs to learn. And then there's a little bit of peace. But you know what? The first 20 years are only a third, maybe, of their life. Do you want to have peace now and turmoil for 40 years? And by my recollecting, adult turmoil is worse than childhood turmoil. Or do you want to fight the battle now? Jump in there with God, train your children, and then have peace and have joy. This one over here is the daughter who told us we were going to be grandparents in about eight months. And now it looks like that won't be happening. But she, You know what she's doing? She's moving ahead in her life. She's doing the same thing she was doing before she got pregnant. She's loving her husband. She's active in her church. She's seeking a job. She's moving on. This is not the end of her life. You know why? Because God is in it. And she has been trained to follow God. Parents, I just can't say it any more strongly than that. Correct your son and he will give you rest. Heavenly Father, Oh, I give you all the praise today for any good thing in my children. Because surely without you, I would have ruined them. Father, I pray for the parents that are here. Give them the courage. Give them, the, give them the insight to see that your word is the way. Give them the courage to carry that out. And give them blessing along the way as well as in the future. Father, we need that encouragement. We need that reinforcement day by day. Oh, Father, help us. Lead us while we lead our children. I pray in Christ's name, amen.